Somebody ought to praise him like it's already done this morning. Come on, if you know it's already done, open up your mouth and give him a praise in this place. Woo! High five about eight people on the way to your seat and tell them it's already done. Woo! That's why I can dance in advance. Woo! Because his promises are true. Amen, somebody. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to take a brief opportunity one more time this morning to say what a privilege it is to have every one of our guests here in the house of the Lord with us today. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and voice one more time to make some noise and welcome all of our guests here into the house of the Lord this morning. If you are here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card. When you walked in the doors that look something like what's on the screen behind me, that is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation having you in the house of the Lord with us today. We want you to know that we we are absolutely grateful and thankful to have you here in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen. Would you help me clap your hands one more time for our guests? Amen. While we are welcoming our guests, I also want to take a brief opportunity this morning uh, to welcome a brand new uh, member into the church today. Uh, I thought I saw her back here. My eyes are probably just failing me. Uh, but I want to take a moment to welcome to the house of God, Sister Jennifer Kahn. Sister Jennifer, are you, are you here? She's, she's, she may have stepped out with one of the children for just a moment. We'll say that again in just a few seconds, but we're grateful to have her in the house of the Lord. How many of you are thankful for what God's been doing in this house? We are so grateful for the move of God that has been happening here, the incredible revival that's taking place uh, in the church. And again, I want to say thank you to everybody uh, who has been plugged in and helping with all of our relief efforts and, and, uh, and all that that entails and helping unload trucks and distribute goods to the community. We're very grateful for you and for all of your help. Amen. Also want to mention additionally that if you're here this morning, and you are in need of any kind of disaster relief. If you need food or household goods or anything of that nature, we are prepared and ready to help you in any way that we can. And if you will just see uh, Sister Sloss, who's right here in the sound booth, wave your hand. If you will see here after the service, she can make sure that we get something to help you and your family. We want you to know that the Rock Church is here for you. Amen, somebody. I want us to stand as we prepare for the, the word of the Lord in this house today. Um, I am so excited and so honored to have with us, no stranger to this house, Pastor Ryan Wardwell, all the way from Carmel, Indiana. Would you help me give him a welcome back? Welcome right now this morning. Come on, help me make him welcome. Amen. We, we are just so excited that he is here. Uh, Pastor Wardwell is a long, long time friend of mine, and uh, 
we met through some very unique circumstances many years ago. And from the moment that I met him and his precious family, uh, there has just been such a kindred connection and a spirit. And uh, I love this man greatly and his family. Uh, as a matter of fact, he and his precious wife are the hosts of Beauty for Ashes Conference. And uh, amen. And God, God has blessed this uh, woman's conference. They are now taking it to different locations uh, in the United States and having remote conferences in different places. Uh, but their main conference that they host at their church is coming up in just a few weeks. And our very own sister Tabitha Holt will be one of our, the speakers at the conference. And, uh, and so we, we love this family very, very much. And God has used him on more than one occasion here in this assembly to bring a word from heaven. And we're so grateful he's here today. Uh, Pastor Wardwell, we have great expectation in our spirit about what God wants to do today. We want you to come and preach like you are at home today. We're ready for whatever God has for us. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together. Come on, let's give God a great big praise as the man of God comes to deliver the word to us this morning. Oh, somebody ought to shout hallelujah in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Feels good in this place today. Amen. And the reason why I say it feels good is because I left 32 degree weather. And so it feels good in this house today. I'll just tell you right now, in Indiana, we are so used to cold weather that if it was the temperature it is in here today, I don't know if our church would stay. They call me Oso Blanco in Spanish, which means the polar bear, because we like cold weather. Amen. It is such an honor to be here and uh, to be back again. Uh, it is, uh, I love your bishop, his wife, so very much, and his sons, his family, growing family, amen, so beautiful, and uh, it has uh, been a long friendship, and so very thankful for him, amen. My wife is in Arkansas today, uh, I'll be flying home in the morning, tomorrow morning, but she is uh, doing a Beauty for Ashes meeting there. Where is Sister Tabitha Hold? Is she here? There you are. Amen. We are so looking forward to you coming. Excited about it. Amen. And it is a ever-growing. We just started a, a shortly, and it has outgrown one facility. We are in our facility. We believe it's going to outgrow that this year. When that happens, we're going to rent a large. We're looking at a facility. You'll see about 1,100 when we move to that facility maybe next year. Amen. Praise God. It's been awesome. Life-changing. Amen. Praise God. And First Lady, we love you. My wife loves you. Wish she could be here, but we'll see you in a couple weeks. Amen. Praise God. Man, so much has changed here. This is incredible. I was here about four years ago, and uh, coming back, uh, there's so much that's changed for the good. And this is beautiful, beautiful, everything that's happening here. I love the vision that this church has. 
That comes from good leadership. Amen. Praise God. We were kind of stuck in a situation four years ago, and the Lord uh, really began to help us uh, with some direction. But one of those in particular, while I was here, Brother Sloss, Pastor Sloss, uh, I don't know if he's here in the crowd or had to go out and step out, but uh, has been such a tremendous help with us on some things that we put together behind the scenes and uh, in our church. And ever since then, our church has done nothing but grow. Thank you, Pastor Sloss, for your help. There you are. Thank you for your help. It has changed our church in, in Carmel as well. If you have your Bibles, I won't keep you standing. Second Samuel chapter number 8. 2 Samuel chapter number 8, and I'm going to begin at verse number 1. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank the Lord. So much to say, not enough time to say it all, but uh, amen. We are just so delighted. I am delighted to be here, and I'm delighted about the future of what God is doing in this church. And I'm going to share with you in just a moment what the Lord did to me and told me to say. I'm not only going to preach a message, but I feel like I have something for this church today. And I feel like the Lord wants you to hear. Second Samuel 8 and verse number 1, after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methagama out of the hand of the Philistines and he smote Moab and measured them with a line. Casting them down to the ground, even with two lines measured he to put to death, and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. Amen. I, uh, without question, on my way here, knew that the Lord wanted me to preach this message. And, uh, but uh, I'm going to preach it in a way that I've never preached it anywhere else. I feel that the Lord has a word for this church through this message. But I'm going to preach on this thought. Daddy, don't curse me. Daddy, don't curse me. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's lift our hands to heaven today and let's worship him one more time. Come on, let's lift him up. We magnify you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this hour. We give you the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The reading of God's great word. Amen. Praise God. I, um, before I go any further, let me just share with you a couple things that happened at home that uh, I believe the Lord has uh, told me to, to encourage someone here today. But uh, we were, my wife and I had to start over in our house. When we first got there, it wasn't there very long, and we had to start over in, uh, in our house. And I literally stood on a chair, preaching from a chair, and uh, had no sound system. We had nothing but just a very small handful of people. And, uh, and then from there, we moved into a basement where, where your pastor came, where Pastor Bishop Williams came and preached in our basement, that, that building. We had, it was an office building, and we were in the very populated area of the city. There's 105,000 people within a five-mile radius of our church, 
and uh, we were trying to figure out how that we were going to uh, be able to, 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 to do what God wanted us to do and vision that I have for our city and our church and uh, unable to, in that little basement, little bitty room, we would pack that room out with several, uh, just several services just packed out from out into the foyer and looking through a little glass window and then upstairs and into the third floor, we would use rooms for classrooms and offices and whatever else we needed. And we just outgrew that little building, really, and uh, needing the Lord to allow us to tear out a back wall in order to be able to, to grow. But, but they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let us. They constantly were preventing us from it. And uh, we were renting that, that facility and, and uh, even, even, even had the concept of trying to purchase that office building and uh, trying to figure out how that we could turn it into a church somehow. But uh, long story short, uh, I, I was thankful for where I was at, but I was also letting the Lord know as grateful as I am, this is not my final destination. And uh, then uh, down the road, I was praying on a Monday night after being there for a few years in that building. I was praying on a Monday night and the Lord spoke to me and uh, said, go look at your contract. And as soon as I went and began to overread our contract, I realized we were on the day of that very day to be able to break that contract and to be able to move to another facility if, if so need. And uh, I had looked everywhere in our area. Our area is very, very overpopulated and very hard to find even a location. We have people in our church that own businesses that are looking for places to either rent or own, and there's just hardly anything available even right now today. If, if you do find something, it's very overpriced. And so, uh, Lord, I, I'm going to put trust in you. And the Lord said, the Lord said, break the contract and just tell the church we're moving. I said, all right, God, if that's what you want me to do. And uh, so that Monday night, I broke that contract and uh, got a hold of the company. And it took us, we had three months to get out of that facility. And I had no place to go. And I stepped out in faith. But as soon as we did, some doors began to open immediately. New facilities began to come open. God moved us to a brand new facility where we've already began to grow into that building so quickly that God, we're already telling them, I've already been emailing them saying we need a larger facility if you can let us add on to the one we're in. I said all that to say this, the Lord wants this church to understand. Be grateful for where you're at, but God's not finished with his destination. I don't understand it all, but I feel like God has something in plan and in store for this church. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever that might be, God knows exactly what he has in plan. God knows what he's doing, and all we've got to do is get on board with it and say, God, I trust you, and I put my hope in you today that you've got everything under control and in plan. Amen. 
I stepped out in faith and, 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 and we were at the time, here we are looking at uh, not only, not only full time in the ministry, but trying to build a church and grow a church, etc. And I stepped out and said, God, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to put my hope in you. I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me today. I'm going to put my hope in you. And, and, and then Sunday night while I was preaching, I said, church, we're going to every last Wednesday night, we're going to give to missions. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're just going to trust God because in this area it's very expensive, but the Lord's going to make a way. And every last Wednesday we began to give financially to the church or to the missions. But as soon as we did that, God began to bless the church like we've never seen before. Finances has never been the issue any longer. God began to make a way. I'm here to tell you today, if you put your hope and trust in God, God has something in store for this church and in plan. I don't know what your tomorrow holds, but somebody needs to get on board and say, come on, whatever you have in store for this church, God, let's do it. Let's do it. David here in the scripture, David said, the Bible gives us understanding that David is not just any warrior. He is a mighty warrior. And David in this chapter is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It is all the victories that David has won all over the world or the known time of their place of world. And so it is that now that David has not only destroyed the Philistines, but the Bible said that he has destroyed the Moabites. And at the time of destroying the Moabites, he begins to do something that seems quite out of the ordinary, something that seems a little unique in its way. He begins to get out a line. He begins to get out, if you please, a rope. And he begins to tell the men of the Moabites, I'm going to stretch this line out. I'm going to stretch this cord out. And, and over one third of them, whoever is under that cord, you're going to die. And then afterward, the next one third, I'm going to stretch a cord out, a line. And whoever's under that line as well, if we would be able to find some men that will lay under that line, I'm going to allow them, those men, to die as well. But then there will be a third line that I will stretch out over the men. Now, that might not seem like much to you today, but reality is that the Moabites were people that Israel had a problem with. David had an issue with the Moabites. There was a struggle with the Moabites. There was a battle with the Moabites that David said, I don't just not like them. I loathe them. I, I would rather see that there was at least two-thirds of them all dead. And so David had an issue. Some theologians uh, would say that there was a, let me have this in here, brother. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Come on, stay right here for just a moment. David began to take a line and he began to stretch that line out. And he said, all right, I want the men to lay under this line. And I need one third of you. Stay right there, brother. I'm going to pull a little bit on it. Thank you. He said, I need one third of you to lay underneath this line. And the Bible gives us understanding that it would have been shoulder to shoulder. Men would lay down at that line. And afterward, David took his sword out and he began to kill one third of all of the men that fell under that line. Let's go that way a little bit. And as he began to pull out the line again, 
he would find one third of men and he would say, all right, he said, I'm going to pull the line out again and those of you that fall under the line, I want you to understand that David had an issue with the Moabites. Theologians would say that more than likely the Moabites had killed some of David's family. And so David was saying, I've come back for revenge. I've come back for, for something, amen, that, that has happened to me in my past. And so it was that afterward David would kill the two-thirds and then he would stretch a line out again. And on the third time, one-third of those men, of all the men out of the two-thirds, only one-third was allowed to live. But the Bible says that when they laid the third of the line out, they didn't just pull it out like this. They stretched the line. They pulled pulled it as far as they could because they said I want to get as many men as I can under this line I want to see as many possible to be able to live stand shoulder to shoulder get as close as you can because whoever's under the third line is going to have to live just keep it there for a little while brother thank you and all of a sudden now David has mercy on one third they're not just any kind of people these are people that are, that are desiring to be able to live but become servants for David. They become good men for David. They have mercy and so because of mercy they want to, they want to serve David well. They served all of Israel very well. Stay with me today. I, I, I get a concept in my mind it would have, it would have been some men that would have had, had a had a burden in their heart and in their spirit to say whatever Israel wants I want to bless them because David gave me mercy David gave me mercy I come to ask somebody in this house today are you glad you found mercy in the house of God are you glad that God gave you a church and a place to come to in order to find mercy I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for his grace. So it was that it gives me the understanding that it's like the mercy of God upon a man that had, was full of legions. The Bible said full of devils. This man had so many devils that when Jesus showed up, he said, what's your name? He said, we are legion for we are many cast devils out of him. The Bible said that that man wanted to follow Jesus, but what did Jesus say? He said, you go back home and tell your family what happened. That's what this man had in his mind. I'll follow Jesus, but reality is that, that Jesus wanted him to testify that he found himself on the right side of the line. He used to live on the wrong side, but God put him under safety and under mercy and under grace. I'm coming to preach to you. I don't know where you're at this morning but somebody in this house needs to learn how to find themselves on the right side of the line it would have been it would have been that mercy and that grace that caused these people to become the most kindest people they found mercy man they had joy like no other they, they, they walked down the streets with a smile on their face they, they went down through the, through the roads with some kind of joy because I got to live. Hey, I found mercy. I got to survive. 
I come to tell you today you want to know why we got joy that's unspeakable and full of glory you want to know why we got peace that passes all understanding we felt like those Moabites we should have died over here in the one third but God put us over here on this side of the line he somehow stretched that grace and stretched that mercy that I might be saved Thank God for his mercy. And so it was that I'm so glad for a second chance. I'm glad for another opportunity. I'm glad that God gave me another chance. Oh, don't sit there like you're perfect. Don't sit there like you had everything right. Don't sit there like you had everything under control. You came to a church and found mercy under the right line. so let's talk about a line for a little while let's talk about mercy for a little while are you still with me for a little bit hey you think it's hot out there stand up here and preach for a little bit with me let's talk about mercy and grace for a little bit the bible gives us understanding that there are some men by the name of Israel they will be considered the tribes of Israel These are not ordinary men. These are Reubens. These are Simeons. These are Levi's, Judas, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. These 12 young men are the sons of Jacob who will become Israel. The Bible tells us today that in Genesis 49 that all of a sudden, Jacob's about to die. And Jacob, in the process of dying, begins to call his sons in. I'm still talking about this side of the line. Pulls his sons in and said, come here, Joseph, go get your grand, go get your boys. The Bible said he crossed his hands and laid his hands on his sons. Right hand on the youngest, his left hand on the eldest. Joseph says, Daddy, what you doing? My oldest son's over here on the right. Put your right hand on your oldest son. No, son, I know what I'm doing. I understand blessings, and I understand I understand authorityship from the right hand. And I know exactly what I'm doing, Joseph, because I've been there as a young man. I know what it feels like to desire the blessing that my brother's going to receive. I understand that I would want it to the point that I'll lie for it. I'll I'll deny and say that I'm my brother if I have to. I'll put on the clothing of an animal if I have to. I'll pretend to be someone else if I have to. Just give me the blessing. I understand, Joseph, what I'm doing. And so it was that the next one walks in. Come on in here, Reuben. I've come to give you a blessing today before I die. Reuben walks in and begins to get out the oil, if you please, and lay it upon the head of Reuben. Oh, Reuben, I pronounce a blessing on you and upon your children. I pronounce a blessing upon your family. Come on in here, Dan. Where's Dan at? I need Dan to come in. Naphtali, come on, son. I've come to give you a blessing. Asher, where's Asher at? Come on in here, Asher. And all of a sudden, in Genesis 49 and 5, in come two young men by the name of Simeon 
and Levi. But when he takes that oil out and pours it upon them and puts his hands upon them, the Bible said all of a sudden, he said, brethren, instruments of cruelty are their inhabitation. My soul come not into their secret, into their assembly. My honor be not thou united uh, for in their anger they slew a man uh, and in their self will they dig down a wall uh, all of a sudden it wasn't a blessing upon Simeon and Levi uh, all of a sudden it was a curse that was placed upon them uh, I tell you this morning uh, there was an issue that came upon these two young men uh, I, I could see in my mind they began to fall on their knees and cry out daddy don't curse me daddy whatever you do just bless me daddy before you die I want you to understand who Levi and Simeon are. The Bible tells us uh, they're some of the cruelest young men that would make up their mind that if it was ever time to sell Joseph down the road, uh, that Joseph, in the time that he is to die inside of a pit, uh, Jacob begins to say these are the men that dig down a wall. Uh, They began to dig out a hole in order to destroy their own brother. Uh, They would like to see Joseph sold as a slave into Egypt. Uh, whatever it may be that they, they've got to do here, they, they don't mind getting rid of Joseph. Uh, it isn't here that Jacob puts this curse upon the other brothers for what they did to Joseph. Uh, it is only Simeon and Levi that they began to blame upon Joseph. Uh, and it is also that there was a young lady at one point in time, uh, their sister that had went out with some young men. And the Bible tells us that while she was out with the young man he began to abuse her he began to take advantage of her and so it was the daddy of that young man comes into Jacob's house and he said he said I I know that my son has done wrong but if you don't mind would you allow us to find forgiveness Jacob says if you'll go home and circumcise yourself I'll allow you to be a part of the family I'll allow your sons to marry my daughters and while they're at home trying their best to get themselves prepared in order for circumcision it is there that Simeon and Levi show up with a sword in their hand and began to kill those men for what had happened to their sister daddy doesn't understand what needs to happen daddy thinks we ought to give them mercy but I think they need to die so it is that all of a sudden in their death they come home and Jacob finds out what happens and we notice that Jacob takes them to El Bethel. We're not going down that road today but reality is they said here it is you're supposed to die now and Jacob, Jacob, Jacob says we got to get to El Bethel and survive. We got to get to the house of God and live. I'm still talking about this side of the line. Jacob said we got to be able to live we got to be able to make it. The only way we can do that is get to the house of God. Let's go to El Bethel. And when they get to El Bethel, he introduces them to, to, to the God of the house of God. And he begins to tell them, come on, boys. This is where I ran to when my brother wanted to kill me. This is a place I went to when my brother wanted to destroy my life. And here's where we're going to meet God and if we're ever going to survive this. Stay with me. It may feel like Bible study here for a moment, but we're going to have church. 
Now Jacob's dying. And Jacob lays his hands on his sons. Simeon, come here, son. Yeah, daddy, what you got for me? Get the oil for me and put it on his head. Come on over here, Levi. Sons of cruelty. Don't let my heart enter into their secret. I don't care how blessed they want to be. Don't bless them. I don't care what they think they want. These are cruel men. They've dug a ditch for their, their brother. They've killed men while they're trying to repent. I'm going to tell you something. You better never have a Simeon or a Levi spirit when somebody walks down here having circumcision of the heart. You better not sit back there and say, that's not my brother. Let them try to find salvation on their own. You better have a heart that says, I'm going to come with them and see them delivered and circumcised of the heart and healed. But while they're praying and repenting, they're driving swords in their hearts. Men of cruelty, let them die. First. And we're talking about a man that knows about blessings. We're talking about a man that knows what it feels like. And so it is. Benjamin's out there plowing his field. And God's just blessing everything he touches. And Dan's out there raising sheep and God's blessing every sheep that he has. I mean, more lambs are being produced like never before. But every time Simeon tries to plow, and every time Levi tries to do anything, nothing's being blessed. Their fields are cursed. Their homes are cursed. Their children are cursed. Men of cruelty. They can't keep money in their pockets. It's just flowing out. They can't hang on to it. Can I preach to somebody in this house? I feel like there's somebody in this place that might feel like they've been cursed. So it is. They're trying their best to hang on to it. But everything's going wrong. I'm, I'm talking about years. They've died that way. Their children have grown up that way. Amen. All of a sudden they come and ask them, who are you? <laughs> Who's your daddy? No, 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 no. Don't ask me who my daddy is. Well, who is he? It's Simeon. Who's grandpa? No. Don't ask me who my grandpa is. Well, what's his name? It's, it's Levi. Cursed. Cursed. 400 years later, Israel comes out of Egypt. Moses is now taking them down through a journey. Moses said, boys, you all stay here. I've got to go back up on top of that mountain. I've got to get a word from the Lord. And he goes up there and begins to talk with God, fasting and praying. And the Lord begins to give Moses a word. And he said, Moses, 
Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the plan for the tabernacle. Here's everything I'm wanting to do in this land. But all of a sudden, God begins to get angry, Bishop. God begins to get angry at his own men down below and his women. And the Bible says that God tells Moses, Son, you better get down that mountain as quick as you can. There's a problem down there. There's a bunch of men and women that have fallen by the wayside. The Bible tells us that it was because that Moses was gone for so long up into the mountain, into the clouds, that there, now, 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 they began to say, Moses has left us for dead. We're not going to be able to survive. We're not going to be able to make it. Let us serve other gods. And Aaron says, give me all the gold that you have. And Aaron throws it in the fire. And Aaron, when Moses comes down that mountain and begins to see what has happened, they are now dancing naked around a golden calf. Can I tell you today that over 400 years, Israel lived in Egypt. And there's not one recorded history, a moment of time, that Israel ever worshipped other gods while they were bound. But as soon as they got free, they want to start worshiping other gods. As soon as they got free. Don't you ever worship the God of complacency. Don't you ever worship the God of just sitting down doing nothing. When God sets you free, you're free indeed. So Moses comes down the mountain and hears men and women dancing naked around a golden calf. And God tells Mo, Aaron, or Moses tells Aaron, he said, Aaron, what on earth is going on? And Aaron said, read it, it's in the scripture. Aaron said, I don't know. I just threw a gold in a fire and it just came out this calf. I, I, I liken that to my four girls that I have, my four daughters. Some of them are grown up and married, but, but, but I liken it to my four daughters. Daddy, I don't know what happened. Somebody just came in my house. They broke in last night and peed in our bed. I don't know. They didn't steal nothing. They just peed in my bed. That's what Aaron sounds like. I don't know what happened. I just threw it in there and out came a golden calf. And the Bible says that they were an embarrassment to each other. Oh no, to their enemy. Their enemy. What are they doing over there? I thought they had a God that set them free from Egypt. So Moses said, all right, I'll tell you what let's do. I want anybody that's on this side of the line to get your sword out. Are y'all with me? Read it now. I'm not going to take you through it because I don't want to take you through Bible study class today. And the Bible says, and the sons of Levi, we know how to do this. We've slain our brethren before, but the same thing that cursed them is now going to begin to bless them. And the Bible said that there was men that died under the hands of Levi. Oh my God, I feel like preaching in this house. I'll tell you what happened. There were some men of Levi that said, I'm tired of being cursed. I'm tired of living on this side of the line. And I'm ready to live over here under a blessing. 
I come to preach to you today. We better make up your mind. I want to be on the right side of the line. If you get for me, Genesis, put it up here for me. Genesis 32 and verse number 29. Genesis 32, 29. Watch this now. And so after they killed them, and after they destroyed them, the Bible said, amen, praise God. Jacob asked him, no, that's not the one. Amen, praise God. Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus 32, 29. I knew that wasn't right. Exodus, the Bible said all of a sudden, Moses, after they have done it, after they killed him, Moses said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's begin to bless somebody around here for what's happened. Watch this now. And Moses had said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son. We ain't got any real young people. Come here, I'll just use you for a moment. All of a sudden now, he said, you're not just going to be blessed, but you're going to bless your children. And then you're going to bless your brother. Are you ready? (laughs) That he may bestow upon you a blessing. Now he's talking to Levi. Oh, I don't know if you're getting this or not. Reality is... (laughs) The sons of Levi had been cursed by daddy, but Moses blessed them. I come to tell you today, I don't care what daddy said. I don't care what grandpa did. I don't care what the past says. If Jesus is on your side, all you need is a Moses to come down here to Fort Myers to say, I don't care what daddy said. I come to bless you. I'm here to tell you today, I know your past is cursed. I know your yesterday's cursed, but you're not cursed. You're blessed. You're not cursed. You're blessed. I come to preach to this church today. The Rock Church. You better make up your mind. I know what it feels like in this house. I know what it looks like. But I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I wish I had some blessed people in this house that would get on this side of the line and say I'm not living in my curses any longer. I'm living blessed. I'm living in my promise. I wish I had about five more that stand on this side of the line. I'm not living in my cursing anymore. I'm not living on this side. I'm going to be a Levi. I'm going to be blessed. I want Moses to lay his hands on me. Bless me. Hey, hey, hey. We got a man. Now, I, I, Fort Myers don't understand this, right? We're not just in Carmel. Carmel, Carmel's the, I don't know what you call it, the high end of Indiana. The expensive, the ridiculous, bougie, that's it. See, I ain't got all that terminology your bishop has. I just, I'm too white, man. I just, I ain't got it. And so, I said, I'd rather have a camel go through the eye of a needle and try to reach some of these people. I'm just telling you, man. 
But we, 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 we've reached the richest man in the, in, in, he's the, one of the top richest man, men in all the world lives in our city. Uh, vice presidents live in our city. Uh, fact is, right now, Mike Pence lives in our area. And uh, governor lives in our area, about 15 minutes from my house. It's very expensive area. So I said, I said you know what? I'm sick of this. I want to find some hungry people. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me just say this. I went to school with them. I went to school with vice president's kids. I went to school with some of the wealthiest people in the world. I went to school with them. I'm going to tell you what. They still get cancer. They still get divorced. They still get sick that doctors can't cure. They still get COVID. And they still need God. But I, I said, let's go to the hood. I'm ready to find some hood up in our church, man. And so we've been reaching the hood. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but that's just where I'm at. I want somebody that wants God. That's saying, I'm sick of living over here. And I need to get under a line. And so, so we start bringing guys in. One guy, just recently, his nephew was shot off the street corner waiting for the bus to come for school. He calls me boss man. I'm boss man. I, I didn't know what boss man was until I found out. It's like the high honor in the games. And, and so I'm not pastor to him. I'm boss man. And so, but uh, we had one man try to commit suicide in our parking lot, in our church. And uh, he went into, he, he, we got him into the hospital and he was dying. He wasn't supposed to live. All of a sudden he said, he said, came back. We got it. They revived him, got it going again. His name's Jermaine. He's at church this morning. He came in, sat down in the service. I came to him. I said, Jermaine, it's so good to see you, man. I'm glad you're back in the church. And he said, well, he said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I was laying in my hospital bed and I was dying. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, a voice spoke to me. He said, it sounded just like you, preacher. And he said, the voice said, you can't die yet. You've got more that needs to be done. I'm talking about this side of the line. His past says he's cursed. His past says he can't be blessed. His past says he'll never make it. But I'm here to tell you today, he's on this side of the line. Let, let me say it like this. Some of you don't like that. Let me try it like this. I got people in my church right now that started with absolutely nothing, came to church from, from absolutely. We had one young man pretty much living in his car almost. I mean, just trying to survive, Pastor Williams. But all of a sudden now owns a business that makes 40000 a month. I got people in our church that didn't have anything yesterday, but God made them millionaires today. Why? Because they're not living here anymore. They found Moses to lay hands on them and say, come on, Levi, you're not cursed, you're blessed. What, 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 watch this now. Watch this now. Levi, Levi, listen. The same sword you use to kill your brothers is the same sword you're going to use to be blessed. They told you you're crazy. They told you you don't have a mind concept to do it. They told you you don't have everything right, but that same way that you think is the way God's going to use you to start businesses, to bless the kingdom. 
I'm sorry. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, what, what about Simeon? What happens to Simeon? The Bible says that Simeon, in, in First Chronicles, you don't have to go there, but Simeon, the Bible said of the children of Simeon, mighty men of valor. What did they do? I ain't find nothing they did that made a mighty men of valor. But in First Chronicles 4, those men of Simeon said, hey, we're tired of the Amalekites. No, 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 let's just stop right there for just a moment. Who, who are the Amalekites? What did they do in the, in the land? The Bible says that the Amalekites were the ones that every time Israel began to doubt and fear God, the Amalekites showed up. It gives us an understanding that every time they began to doubt and question their authorityship, doubt came, fear came to fight. That's why God said, when you kill the Amalekites, don't take nothing. Because I want the all of the world to know I didn't have you kill them to take their blessing. I had you kill them to show all the world doubt and fear can't live in our land. But there was a little group of Amalekites that lived down in the southern part of Israel. And Simeon's people said we can't let these people live because if they live somewhere down the road, if we ever question authority again, they're coming back. And so they said, hey, Israel, don't you worry about it. We're going to go to the southern part of Israel, and we're going to kill them all. We're going to take out every, every Amalekite there is. And the Bible says, and they dwell there to this day. I'm coming to preach to you today. And the Bible said that he said, you are mighty men of, you are mighty men of, I come to tell you, I don't care what daddy said. He might have cursed you. He might have said you can't make it. You can't survive. Well, is this all right? <laughs> We, we got a saying in my family. Anything that can go wrong, it's a Wardwell thing. But you know what I say? I ain't receiving that. I'm blessed. You ain't cursing me. I'm blessed. God's going to do it in my city. God's going to do it in my home. God's going to do it in my family. Come on, somebody. I come to tell you today, when I got that kind of concept, God began to bless my church. God began to bless everything around me. You've got to make up your mind today. I'm not living on this side. I'm getting on the right side of the line. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. Give, 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 give me that line. Woo! Throw my tattoo. Throw it, man. Stretch that thing out. Somebody needs to get behind the right side of the line. We don't have to have two-thirds here today or one-third. We can have the whole church part of the blessing. You don't have to go home cursed today. You can go home blessed. Come on, Rock Church. I know it's hot in here, but I wish I had some praisers. 
that can preach with me for about five more minutes that make up your mind. I'm not living on the cursed side of the line. I'm getting right. I want to be a part of revival. Pastor Williams. I see pillars. I, I don't understand. Listen, when we, the building we were in, it, something just wasn't fitting right. Our foyer was too small. Our, our classrooms were too small. There, there, there was things that just, they wouldn't get finished for me. They wouldn't fix it. And I needed them to fix it. And every time I thought, if they just do this and I could do that and I could, and it just, it was like, it was like trying to make, trying to make a puzzle piece fit in when it's not, something's just not right. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, I'm telling you. It was God's way of pushing us out. It was God's way of pushing us into a mighty revival. It was God's way of getting us into a new place. I'm not saying you're leaving here. Don't get me wrong. It's whatever your pastor. He's got the vision, not me. I'm just here preaching. But I'm going to tell you what I keep seeing in the spirit. I keep seeing this beautiful building with pillars. I don't know what it is. It's new. It's not old. It may not be. And it may not be. I don't know. Whatever it is. But I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There's people trying to curse it. There's people trying to stop you. But God's got his hand on you. And he's saying you can curse it all you want. You can try to stop it all you want. Put my hands on him. And my hands on the church. And I come to bless Levi. And I come to bless Simeon. I know your past may not look so good. But your future doesn't say your curse. Your future says you're blessed. Your future says you got a tomorrow that you didn't have before. I don't know today what the world might say, but I know what God says. I don't know what your yesterday says, but I know what God said. I'm thankful for where I'm at. But this ain't my final destination. I'm thankful for where I'm at this morning. But this isn't where I'm resting. So the landlord tried to stop us. But every time they stopped us, finally... They became such a havoc to us. I said, God, you've got to do something for us. Huh. And all of a sudden now, <laughs> they sell the building. Here, I'm going to buy it. They sell it to somebody else. I said, all right, fine. Well, we'll deal with a new one. Maybe they'll be easier on us. And it didn't get easier. It got harder. I said, oh, God, you got to help us. And here we're supposed to be. God says, look at your contract. I said, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. 
And all of a sudden, now I got three months left. But then COVID sticks in and problems start happening. And then we can't get moved in because we can't get drywall. And we can't get insulation. And we can't get nothing done. And they can't get parts for my air conditioner. And I said, we need a little more time. And they said, we're not giving you more time. We want you to move out because we got someone else we want to move in. I said, all right. I might be Levi, but I'm not cursed. The builder said, we need six more months. I said, you got to get it done in three months. He said, we can't. There's no way. All right, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. And so, I won't go much longer. I don't know how long you go. And so, all of a sudden, they sell it a third time. I said, my Lord, what's going on? But the next company that buys the building was like angels. They said, Pastor, you take as long as you need. We're all right. We're fine with it. I said, I need about six months. They said, don't you worry about it. If it takes nine months, we don't mind. We'll void the contract and everything's fine. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Come on, hear me this morning. God's got this church. I said, God's got this church. And I know there's some that's trying to curse you. But I'm here to tell you, you're not cursed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in this facility. You're blessed in your homes. You're blessed in your marriage. You're blessed in your children. I wish I had some praises in this house. I wish I had some dancers in this house. I wish I had some blessed people up in this place. <laughs> the blind man. The Bible said Jesus took him out of the city. I'm hurrying. Give me like five minutes. Give me five minutes. My Lord, give me, I'll, I'll quit. The Bible says that God, Jesus took the blind man out of the city. I'm just walking the Holy Ghost. I ain't got that. And he takes his hands. The Bible said he took him out of the city. Now wait, 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 wait. I've dealt with blind people. As long as they're in their house, they can walk around the entire house because they know where they're at. When he's in the city, he could have walked home. But Jesus took him outside of the city. Where, where, where are we going here? What, what are we, if I'm going to restore your eyesight, I got to get you to a place where you don't know what I'm going to do. Here's the revelation. Are you ready? But the Bible doesn't say he healed his eyesight. It says he restored. I come to restore your vision today. I come to restore your vision today. You're not cursed. You're blessed. 
All right. Paul, I want you to go to Lystra. And I want you to preach in Lystra. All right, God. Paul preaches. They drag him out of the city. They pick up stones. They stone him to death. They try to kill him. They left him for dead. What, 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 what kind of disciples have you got, man? What kind of disciples are these? The Bible says when they walked up to him, they didn't try to pick him up. They didn't try to clean his face off. They just stood there. Look, it's in the scripture. They said, what are you going to do now, bud? I, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying. What are you going to do now? And the Bible said he got up. And he walked right back into Lystra and started preaching again. I'm going to tell you where this church is at right now. You might have went through a storm, but now you're back up. Time to walk back into Fort Myers and have revival and have a move of God and have church. And the greatest revival Lystra ever saw was because Paul got back up and walked right back into the city. Hey, you're not cursed, you're blessed. I want you to lift your hands all over this house right now. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to somebody this morning. There's somebody in this room that needs to hear it one more time. Some of you need to get on this side of the line this morning. Some of you need to step out from where you're at. Wait, wait, wait. I was at a church. Forgive me, Pastor Williams. If, if you teach it any other way right now, your bishop's right and I'm wrong. You listen to me. But I was at a church, a little bit bigger than this one. They have an altar far, far away. Just in case you don't want to come down here and you want to go there and pray. <laughs> the Bible says that there was a sin in the land of Israel. You know what the sin was? They said, you don't have to come to Jerusalem to worship. We're going to build a place in Dan. And you can just go to Dan and pray. You don't have to pray here. And God said they're cursed. I'm here to tell you today, there's just something about the walk. Down to this line. There's something about getting out of your chair and walking down that something begins to happen. The curse begins to come off of your body. It can't stay there any longer. It, come on, that's what I'm talking about. Can I get two or three more to just walk down to this line this morning? There, there's one more. Come on, is there any more in this? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Come on, that's it. Eleven. Come on, there's just something about stepping out of your pew this morning and walking down this line and saying, I'm tired of being cursed. 
I want Moses to put his hand on me and bless me. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Come close, come close. Come close, come close. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. The Rock Church is going to a new height. It's going to a new place. You might as well get on board. You might as well be a part of it. Here's how we're going to end this today. Come here, Bishop, if you don't mind. I want Moses to start blessing you this morning. I want Moses to start praying a blessing over you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I speak life. I speak blessing right now, God. Would you reach your hand into this building and remove the hand of the enemy? Remove from their heads, God, the hand of a curse. Lord, remove from their memory and their ears the voice of, of cursing God. And this morning, God, I speak faith. I speak a blessing. I prophesy and I proclaim it over their life this morning that they are the head and they're not the tail. That they are above and they're not beneath. That they are the lender and they are not the borrower. Oh, I speak healing over sickness. I speak deliverance over bondage. I speak freedom over change. I speak open over a closed door this morning. In the name of Jesus, God, we lay our hands this morning and we speak your blessing. God, we rebuke the devourer this morning. God, we rebuke the enemy this morning. Lord, we rebuke fear and doubt and unbelief. And we speak faith. We speak life. We declare your blessing over your people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody lift your hands right now. And receive the blessing of the Lord in this place. Somebody lift your hands and receive the favor of God in this building right now. God, we call darkness to come into light. God, right now. Jesus, lose your blessing, God. Lose your blessing. Somebody right now. Somebody right now.